today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. the gospel was spreading out into these new areas and the Jews were hearing the gospel and the pagans were hearing the gospel and there might be one spouse that would hear and come to faith in the gospel and yet the other one not and they might come out of a Jewish background and one still remains a devout Jew and now the other one's a Christian what do you do about that situation a couple that's totally pagan totally away from the Lord now one is saved and the other one's not. What do you do about that situation? How do you handle that? How do you handle that today when you have one believing and one unbelieving? The Bible teaches that wives are to submit to their husbands. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us that godly submission in no way demeans a woman's value. Jesus submitted to his father, but he was in no way less important than his father. In the same way, wives communicate trust and respect when they willingly submit to their husband's leadership in the home. As women do what they're called to do, the home runs more smoothly and God is glorified in Christian marriages. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, The Submitted Wife, from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. There are areas of scripture that when it comes time to preach on them, man, there's a great anticipation, there's a great excitement and, and pleasure to, to preach about, and you look forward to preaching it. Then there's other areas of scripture that you get into, and if you're wise, you tread lightly and you tread wisely. This morning is of the latter. This morning we're going to be speaking about the submitted wife. Okay, so... All you husbands that have a submitted wife, would you rate? No, I'm, I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. You better be raising your hands. Yes. We can look at it lightly because, number one, it, the truth of God's word, it does not differ depending upon your circumstances. Can we agree upon that, that the truth of God's word does not differ depending upon your circumstances? God's word remains true. So that means that we need to adjust our lives according to God's word, not adjust God's word according to our lives. So that's where we're at this morning. And as you know, life isn't lived in a vacuum. In other words, all of our life is is subject to things that go on around us. Our life is subject to our past as well as our present events. And in the same way, Scripture wasn't written in a vacuum either. There were things that were going on in the life of the church that the authors, the writers of the Scripture, particularly Old Testament and New Testament, as they were writing, they were writing in reference to the events that were taking place. As we look in the New Testament, 
in particular the letters to the churches. We need to understand who were they writing to, when were they writing, and why were they writing. And so here, as we've looked at this letter of First Peter, we've shown already that Peter is writing to a multitude of congregations that are spread out all over the area. He's writing to them about the need that they have, as we've seen, as we've studied, as we've directed this study to kind of focus on. He's been writing to them about kingdom living. And a great portion of that kingdom living is the reality of a submitted life. A life that is submitted to God above all things. The sovereignty, the power, the might, the instruction, the leading. All of these things that you and I as believers, as kingdom dwellers, we live our lives in submission to his plan and purpose. And so this morning, we began our teaching in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, with the words, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your husbands. And again, needing to remember this whole idea, the submitted life of every believer, regardless of rank, regardless of place, regardless of gender, don't be surprised, and it shouldn't be surprising to any of us, that there is a multitude of areas that we, as believers, need to be living our lives in submission to. Throughout these weeks, we've talked about this kingdom living. Kingdom living with submission and humility being two very major attributes within the life of the believer. And submission is such a powerful part of God's plan as we've seen God's plan unfold from the very beginning in Genesis all the way through the end of Revelation. We've seen this idea of submission. Jesus was submitted even to his earthly parents. He obeyed his earthly parents. Think of this, God in human flesh obeying fleshly parents but he was submitted to that because it was God's plan. Christian citizens, even as we've shared already in Peter, need to be submitted to the authorities that are over us, not just because they're of the same political party, not just because they say the things that we agree with, but there is a submission that we could have. Now, granted, as we've shared during that time, that we live in a society right now where we can vote in and vote out, that we can speak loudly about these things. We have that freedom, but at the end of the day, there needs to be submission within our hearts. Servants or employees need to be submitted to masters or to their employers, both the good ones and the bad ones. We, as believers, need to be submitted to one another. Here, as we're going to show, wives submitted to husbands, children submitted to parents, Christians and Christian families submitted, yes, even to church leadership. The church submitted to Jesus. Christians submitted to God. The universe and all that's in it being submitted to Jesus. The Holy Spirit submitted to Jesus and Jesus himself submitted to the Father. All through the New Testament, we see all of these areas and ways of submission. So now, as we, we could go on and on about this, but again, we look at God's kingdom, God's plan, and it requires the having of these and establishing of these positions of authority and responsibility as well as the establishing of positions that are submitted to these authorities. The basic facts are is that order and structure are vital parts of God's plan. Catch that again. Order and structure 
are vital parts of God's plan. Leadership, authority, and responsibility has to be there as well as submission, obedience, and humility. If the order and structure doesn't happen, you you know what does happen? Chaos. And our God is not a God of chaos. Our God is a God of order. Peter begins this section. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your husbands. And we look, what what does he mean by likewise? Well, it means similar to. Well, what's it similar to? And we could back up and look over in verse 18 where it says, well, servants, be submissive to your masters. Oh, that's what it means. Now now I get it. My, My wife is to be submissive to me as a slave is to its master. Well, if that's what you think, let me know how that's going for you, okay? Because I don't think that that's what Peter means here. I think what Peter is, again, bringing, it's that whole aspect of submission. Again, even submitting ourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. All of these ideas, all of these thoughts together. Remember the context of this whole section. The life of the believer is being submitted to the sovereign hand and the power of Almighty God. And if we have that with understanding, that the life of every believer submitted to the sovereign hand and power of God, and with the understanding that God knows each one of our situations, he knows the governments that we're under. He knows the employers or the bosses that we're under. He knows, ladies, the husbands that you're under. Okay, now with all of that understood, with all the understanding of God's order and structure, we see this same idea, the same thought, even in Paul's writing. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, well, it begins in, in verse 22 where Paul says, wives submit to your own husbands. But I always like beginning actually in verse 21. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21, Paul writes, submitting to one another. The fact is is that we submit to one another in the fear of God. And then he begins, wives, submit to your own husbands. As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In the book of Colossians, Paul again says, wives, submit to your own husbands, for this is fitting in the Lord. But you need to remember, again, just as we saw in the the life of Jesus, godly submission, ladies, is not about demoralization. It's not about degrading. It's not about being lorded over by another. That's not what God's direction and, and, and plan and purposes. Dave Guzik, a commentator on the, on the Bible and, and a pastor, he writes, submission to authority can be totally consistent with equality in importance, dignity, and honor. Jesus was subject to both his earthly parents and to God the Father, but he was not lower than either one of them. Dr. Wayne Gruden, seminary professor, writes, the command to wives to be subject to their husbands should never be taken to imply inferior personhood or spirituality 
or lesser importance. So, folks, I believe that we can safely say that as the kingdom is ran in this directed order, and as God desires families of the kingdom to run in order and not in chaos, that there is a place of godly submission for each member within the kingdom. Within the family, God's designed and purposed that the woman should willingly be submitted to their husbands. It's a matter of structure. It's a matter of order. It's a matter of trust. Trust in God's sovereign hand. I trust God. I'm submitted to God, and I am in this position at this point in time. And so in my submission to God, I also submit to my husband. And here in this passage, Peter gives even an additional reason why wives need to be submitted for evangelism in the case of a non-believing husband. Peter here writes that wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. So, Peter declares that wives are to be submitted to husbands, but not just if the husband is a believer, but also in order to show a non-believing husband the reality of Christ through your life. Now, you may want to stop me right there and say, oh, David, but you don't know the situation that I'm under. You, you, you can't even begin to realize how difficult it is in my life, and I would have to agree with you. I, I don't know. I've Never been married to an unbelieving husband. I, I understand that. So I, I, I do understand. But we have counseled many. My wife and I have counseled many through the years that have been in that situation. We've heard the tales. We've heard the real, the, the hard stories. And literally and truly, it breaks my heart that that situation is there. And yet, even this doesn't take God by surprise. This isn't something that God suddenly you, you need. Hey, by the way, Lord, I, I read your word, but did you know my husband's not saved? It doesn't take God by surprise. That's why God says, live your life this way so that your unbelieving husband might see Christ in you. As I've looked at it and as I've studied it and as I've gone over it multiple times, I don't see anywhere there where it says, It'll be easy, but it's the right thing to do because of God's word. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that you need to endure a situation where your your life is endangered or where children's lives are endangered. There, there needs to be godly wisdom involved in, in all of this. But let's not go to the extremes. Let's not suddenly bounce to the exclusions. Let's look at what God's word says in, in, in the general understanding of what we've got. Even Paul speaks about being married to a non-believer and, and remaining in that situation with the non-believer as long as that non-believing spouse will remain. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12, or chapter 7, beginning in verse 12, Paul says, to the rest, I, but not, not the Lord, but I say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe, 
and she's willing to live with him. Let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he's willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. And then down in verse 16, he says, so how do you know, O wife, whether you'll save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Now, he's not speaking about the fact that uh, a husband can actually save a wife or a wife can actually save a husband. But again, their lives being demonstrated that would open the hearts and the eyes of the non-believing spouse to the reality of Christ that they'll see in your reaction and responses and in your overall life, the reality and the truth of an almighty God. That's why it's so important that above all things that we have to be submitted to the sovereignty of God, understanding and knowing the greatness, the might and the majesty and the power of who he is and that he is ultimately in all things controlling his universe. Here in First Peter, Peter says we remain and you're, you're submitted in order that they, the unbelieving husband, without a word might be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Fear? Fear of what? Oh, fear of my husband? No, I don't believe that that's what he's saying. I believe again that what he's saying is that overall understanding that that righteous, that godly, that reverent fear of the almighty power of God. That I live in this understanding, and it's a fear, and we've shared this so many times, but I need to repeat it for you this morning. It's a fear of God that's not that kind of fear that he's going to whack me, he's going to smack me, he's going to do me damage, but it's that, that awfulness of God, full of awe and wonder, and majesty. It's that same aspect that even Isaiah had and when he had that vision and he stood right in the presence of Almighty God and he declared, oh, woe is me, I'm undone. Just that reverence of understanding that we live our lives in that aspect, in that way. If you, in that situation, continue to submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus and submit yourself to the leadership of that unbelieving husband. I believe that as you honor God by doing this, God will work and move in your life to enable you to be that solid witness. Yes, even in the tough cases. See, in Peter's day, not too unlike our day, but particularly in Peter's day, as the gospel was spreading out into these new areas and the Jews were hearing the gospel and the pagans were hearing the gospel and there might be one spouse that would hear and come to faith in the gospel and yet the other one not. And they might come out of a Jewish background and one still remains a devout Jew and now the other one's a Christian. What do you do about that situation? A couple that's totally pagan, totally away from the Lord, now one is saved and The other one's not. What do you do about that situation? How do you handle that? How do you handle that today when you have one believing and one unbelieving? There's this confusion. Some might look and say, well, you know, we shouldn't be unequally yoked. Maybe I just need to, now that I'm a Christian, I need to divorce him. Well, I don't believe that that is is what 
Peter is saying here at all. I believe this is exactly what Peter is saying. Just because you came to Christ doesn't mean you leave your unbelieving spouse. But neither do I believe that Peter is suggesting that missionary dating is acceptable. Okay. How many of you know what missionary dating is? There's, there's a few of missionary dating is, I know that I'm a believer and I know that he's not a believer, but if I marry him, I can make sure that he gets converted. And it goes the other way. Oh, I know that I'm a believer, and I know she's not a believer, but I really love her, and I know that if we get married, then she'll get converted. Beloved, God's not for missionary dating, okay? God's for mission work. Get them saved first. Then date. Then get involved. But if you are involved, or if you know of someone who is involved in a relationship where they are a believer, and the other person of that relationship is a non-believer, I believe that the word is very, very clear that we should not be unequally yoked. And if you're not married, and you're in that relationship, you need to realize today is probably just a warning call to you to break off that relationship. If you're in a relationship with a non-believer, you as a child of God are placing yourself in a situation that you are going to subject yourself to years and years of heartache and sorrow because you're not of the same kingdom. How are you going to be able to walk together? How are you going to be able to see eye to eye together? How are you going to be able to plan for the purpose when you desire to serve the Lord and they have no idea what that's all about? Peter goes on to say that the real, true beauty of a believer is that inner beauty, that inner strength. Verse 3, he says, Don't let your adornment be merely outward, the arranging of hair, the wearing of gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, there's a lot of people that take verses like that. Don't uh, let your adornment be merely outward arranging of hair, wearing of gold, putting on fine apparel. There's there's a lot of people, even whole Christian denominations, that take that verse and other verses similar to it, and suddenly they come out with the rule that says, ladies, don't wear any makeup. Ladies, you shouldn't be wearing jewelry of any kind. Ladies, never braid your hair. Well, personally, I don't believe that that at all is what Peter is speaking about here. And when man begins to think that way, what man is doing, he is returning to the very letter of the law rather than the intent of the law. What Peter and also Paul, as he writes about these things, what they're saying here is that the outward appearance is absolutely of no value if the inner person does not have that incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of the Lord. In other words, ladies, it's absolutely useless to spend time, energy, and money on the external if the internal is rotten. Open our hearts, change us from within. 
Thanks for tuning in today for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Peter here on The Open Word. We are glad we're able to bring you these teachings straight from God's Word, but we're even more glad you chose to spend time with us today. We love hearing from our listeners, so please give us a call if you have a moment. Our phone number here is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Let us know, too, how we can be praying for you. Are you a part of a local church? Joining and actively getting involved in a local body of believers is a great way to grow in your faith. It's a place where you can learn about the power and love of the Savior and ask questions among other imperfect seeking people. You'll find support in times of need and be able to offer help to others in your own unique way. If you have yet to find a local church in your area, we'd encourage you to start looking today. And if you're in the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has a special invitation for you. Hey, thanks, Chris. You know, I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Word of God. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning, as well as Wednesday evening and Saturday evening at 6.30. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. Join us next time for another edition of The Open Word.